It was a rocky start for New Orleans Saints quarterback Derek Carr, but there is no doubt that he has seen some massive improvement over the course of the last four games. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, as always, to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, and much more. You can become a Locked on Saints insider by heading over to uh, joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints today to join a community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, Saints News Network, Tuesdays in the Locked on NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. Into the promo code locked on NFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to be taking a look at the Minnesota Vikings. They're riding high after a big time win. I'm going to let you know who to expect under center, who to expect that person to be throwing to, and what to expect from this Minnesota Vikings team, including something that might get in their way and playing against a New Orleans Saints defense. We're also going to be taking a look at how much the New Orleans Saints offense has actually changed over the course of this season because motion, play action, percentage-wise, hasn't really moved. But what has, has made a big difference. And to kick everything off, I want to kind of do a little bit of a mid-season kind of review, recap, if you will, of Derek Carr. We're going to be comparing his first five games to his most recent four games. I chose those specifically because you can see a clear and identifiable improvement in Derek Carr's games by the numbers, by all of it. And the reason why I'm doing the first five versus the last four is because if I do the first five, that takes that 34 to zero shutout of the New England Patriots and puts it in the first group so that when I show you the improvements on the game since then, it can mean something to you because it's not just about, oh, well, there was one really good game in that that improvement sort of range. Instead, we're going to be looking at that range without that big 34 to zero shutout. So let's go ahead and kick that off because there's a couple of things that I really want to highlight here. Derek Carr has massively improved over the course of the past four games. I'm going to give you some numbers to back that up, but a couple of things that you should know. Better in terms of accuracy, better in terms of on-target throw percentage, um, uh, better in terms of off-target throw percentage, i.e. the off-target throws have come down, Uh, better in terms of time to throw. He has uh, significantly reduced how much time it takes him to get the ball out of his hands, and then much better when it comes to um, turnover-worthy throws, right? He, He has more than halved the amount of turnover-worthy throws that he has thrown over the course of the past four games versus the first five games. So those are just big ones. I don't want to run through the numbers and percentages on all that, but I just want you to know that. Completion percentage over expected, better. Accuracy, on-target throws versus off-target throws, turnover-worthy throws, all of those things, much better uh, right now for Derek Carr. And that includes being in a situation where you're also seeing him come up on his um, on his first read throw percentage, all of these other things. So the system is working with Derek Carr. So here's what I want to look at. 
Um, just to start off with like some, some pretty basic numbers, right? Passing yards per game. Over the course of the, and, and, and just so that it's said too, um, when we're looking at the first five games versus the last four games, one of the other reasons why I did that is because it keeps the number of dropbacks pretty consistent. 174 dropbacks over the course of the last five, or over the course of the last four games. Uh, the first group of games, weeks one through five, 167. So you're about seven snaps difference there. So it really evens things out to include that Patriots game in the first set of data collection. Over the course of the first five games, Derek Carr averaged 189 passing yards per game, 189. Over the course of the past four, 293, nearly 300 yards per game. And you might be saying, well, Ross, they're asking Derek Carr to throw the ball a lot more. That's not necessarily, that's not necessarily true. If you look at where the Saints have been over the course of the past few weeks, um, in two of those five games, of those first five games, they ran for over 100 yards. In two of the last four games, they ran for over 100 yards. The difference is that three games where they didn't run over 100 yards in the first five, they didn't get over 80. Two games that they didn't run over 100 yards in the last four, they got over 80. So you're seeing not only the passing yards per game go up for Derek Carr, you're also seeing the rushing yards per game for the team also tick up. So the offense as a whole is improving in that way. And look, when you're running the ball, it makes it easier to throw the ball. We know that. Play action starts to work a little bit more. They start to uh, uh, put more guys in the box, stack the box a little bit more, so it makes it easier to go over the top, attack the perimeter, some screen passes, getting you some yards after catch, things like that. So there's a lot of ways that those two things complement one another, but I just want to be clear that it's not a volume thing. It's not, oh, well, yeah, Derek Carr's passing for more yards over the course of the past four games because he's been asked to throw the ball more over the course of the past four games. That's not necessarily true. It's really been a more of a yards per attempt kind of a situation. He's thrown, he threw the ball 150 times over the course of the first five games, 166 times over the course of the most recent, uh, most recent four games. And that includes only a difference of 10 receptions, 10 completions over the course of that time. So not enough for you to say, okay, well, yeah, there's, it makes sense that there's a near, that there's a 100 yard difference per game over the course of a difference of two catches per game not big enough. So that's why I wanted to highlight that. Um, quarterback rating better over the course of the past four games than the first um, than the first five games. Sacks have come down big time. 15 times was he sacked over the course of the first five games, only four over the course of the past uh, four. And, and just so that it said too, it, in including the New England Patriots game in the first set of data points here, it helps to make up for the raw stats that come from that Green Bay game where he only got to play basically the first half, right? So that's the other reason why I wanted to lump that in there. It just kind of evens everything out a little bit more. Um, here's where I think Derek Carr has made the, the biggest improvement. It's not about how often he completes passes. It's not about how many yards he's storing for. It's not about whether or not those passes are turnover worthy or on target, ver target versus off target, though much better for them to be on target versus off target. This to me is the biggest thing. Pressure percentage, right? So the number of time, number of dropbacks that Derek Carr is under pressure has actually ticked up over the course of the past four games versus the first five. 24.6% over the first five, uh, and then 26.4% over the most recent, okay? So you've actually seen him pressured to a greater amount percentage-wise of his dropbacks more recently. However, the big difference here, and you heard me say the raw sack numbers earlier, 15 in the first group of games, four in the second group of games. This to me is the biggest thing. Remember all the times early on in the season where you were hearing things like, oh, Derek Carr's got to get the ball out of his hands. He's holding on to the ball a bit too long. Throw it away. All of those other things. That has started to happen to the tune of these numbers. 
pressure to sack conversion rate. So this is the number of times that a quarterback is under pressure and leads to a sack, okay? The percentage of time that that happened over the course of the first five games, 36.6%. So nearly a over a third of the time that Derek Carr was under pressure, a third of the time he was being sacked. Here over the course of the past four games, that has dropped from 36.6% to 8.7%, nearly a quarter of the same percentage. That's insane. That is an insane drop-off, and that's massively important for Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints. When you go from taking sacks on nearly a third of the time that you're pressured or over a third of the time that you're pressured to under a tenth of the time that you're pressured, that's massively important. And one of the things that has helped with that is that he started to throw the ball away when he's under pressure. He's getting the ball out quicker, as I mentioned earlier. All of those things factor in. This is big. This is big because if you wanted to see something that was trackable, diagnosable, um, that is subject, that is objective, right? Taking the subjectivity out of it, that's objective. You can objectively see that Derek Carr's play has gotten better and has been aided, right? And has also been helped by the offense as a whole. Um, over the course of these past four games. And that's one of the reasons why the Saints are on the right track so far. It's huge. It's big. Now, can they keep it going in this direction? That, of course, continues to be the question as the New Orleans Saints continue to turn their corner. Now, Derek Carr has clearly improved over the course of the past four games or so. How have the New Orleans Saints actually gotten better on offense? Let's break that down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the absolute best place for you to go and grab your tickets, especially if you're someone like me who likes to go to a bunch of different events, sporting events, theater, comedy, a whole bunch of stuff. You can check all of it out. And if you're also somebody like me who kind of makes that decision last second, Game Time helps you make sure you're not overpaying to live on your schedule, right? You should be able to live life on your schedule, and Game Time is here to help you do that. Everything from... Uh, flash sales to deals all the way down to the days of the game. You can even see what your view is going to be before you buy the ticket so that there's no surprises. It's absolutely awesome. You get to take all the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. So I want you to download the game time app today, create an account, use the promo code locked on NFL to get $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, that is uh, locked on NFL, the promo code so that you can create an account, redeem that code and get $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Big thank you to all the everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Very much appreciate you being here. Don't forget, we're going to be live after practice today as well to get you all the updates from uh, this afternoon's practice as New Orleans Saints get ready for the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to be breaking down the Minnesota Vikings a little bit uh, here in just a moment, letting you know what to expect from that team. But before we get to that, I want to take a look at the New Orleans Saints offense. We kind of did our, hey, here's how Derek Carr has improved now that we're in the middle of the season. Uh, with him, but how has the offense improved? Because some of the things that we talked about early on in the season that we wanted to see the New Orleans Saints get better at or do in order to get better, they haven't really done much, right? So where they've made the improvements though, have been really helpful. When I say that the Saints haven't really ticked up in terms of the things that we were saying that they should do to get better, what I'm talking about really are like motion and play action. Over the course of the first five weeks, looking at all 324 of the Saints' offensive plays that were run without penalty over the course of those first five weeks, 27% of the time they, they use motion, 7% of the time they use play action. 
You look at the most recent four games, the 200 plus plays that they ran during that time uh, without penalty, 31% motion. So ticked up 4% there, not bad. 7% play action, the exact same. So the Saints have barely ticked up using motion. They have not moved at all when it comes to play action over the course of those two splits of games, first five versus most recent four. So when we look at Derek Carr's improvement, it's not necessarily that Derek Carr is improving because the Saints are, are in, you know, using motion and play action and all those things at a greater rate. You can see over the course of the same two collections of games, you don't see much movement in terms of the Saints' utilization of motion in play action. Now, what has been different is when the Saints use motion, how the Saints use motion, and when the Saints use play action. So you're seeing them utilize those things outside of the more customary times to use it. You know, uh, you've got like play action shots that you'll take when you just cross the when you just cross over into uh, opposing territory on the 40 and things like that. We're watching the Saints use play action first and 10 off their own 25, things like that. So we're seeing them open up these passing lanes in ways that you wouldn't necessarily that that aren't usually customary to the way that they would typically use play action. Uh, and we watched play action tick down all the way from, you know, the, the last few years of Drew Brees as well. Uh, motion has just been different motion. Instead of just using motion across the field, sometimes they're taking or, or using, oftentimes what you see the New Orleans Saints do is that they use motion to where a player goes from one side of the field to the other, or comes from out of the backfield to outside. Now you're seeing Chris Olave motion into the backfield, swing around, and then start to, to speed out before they snap the ball, get him a little running start over on the outside. Uh, they do the same thing with Rashid Shahid. They did one with, uh, I believe it was one of those two receivers against the Bears to where if Michael Thomas is able to hold, oh, it was Chris Olave. If Michael Thomas is able to hold a block uh, on there, which look, just sometimes you can't hold the block, okay? Uh, but if he would have been able to hold that block, then you've got about 20 yards. Ah, that's probably not true. You got about 15 yards before the next defender is closing it over the top. And so you're seeing the way that the Saints are utilizing specific types of motion, side motion to where somebody's lined up maybe in line or in tight to the formation, and they motion towards the outside, going toward the uh, the sideline. Uh, you're seeing times where players are motioning from in line to the backfield or from backfield to in line, things like that. So you're seeing a little bit of different motion, but you're not seeing really a massive tick up in terms of how often they're utilizing it. So what are the Saints doing that have gotten that have used yet that have utilized them better? They have put their players in position to succeed. And we've broken this down before. We broke this down after the uh the Indianapolis Colts game. Saints utilizing Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara in the red zone, getting the run game going in the red zone. I think a lot of people kind of misconstrue why Taysom Hill has been so valuable. Some folks are saying, well, Taysom Hill should be out there instead of Derek Carr. It's really not that Taysom Hill going out there instead of Derek Carr is alleviating anything. Uh, in terms of what Derek Carr can or can't do, it's that like Taysom Hill's kind of your only run game right now. Like the Saints are not able to run with their running backs because the offensive line doesn't win that way. And so what you're finding with Alvin Kamara is getting him toward the outside is helping quite a bit because then you can take Cesar Ruiz, pull him from right guard, get him around the left edge, and then boom, you've got some stuff there. But when you're trying to run in between the tackles, the offensive line's just not winning there. So you're seeing the Saints circumnavigate the things that they're struggling with by utilizing Taysom Hill, because you can run with Taysom Hill up the middle, that seems to work. But when it comes to running with either any of these running backs up the middle, it's not working. So you're running these more man-run, man concepts as opposed to the zone concept, or, or sorry, man-run like gap scheme concepts versus the zone run concepts that you would expect from New Orleans because the offensive line can't perform there. So you're you're going to these like, hey, go out there, just be bigger and uglier than the guy in front of you. And then you're pulling guards and getting people toward the outside. So what you're watching the Saints do is instead of like, beating their head up against the wall and trying to do the same thing over and over and over again, which is what they did with Alvin Kamara, 
the majority of the 2022 season. You remember, we broke that down in terms of looking at how often they were running him up the middle and all these other things. They're diversifying his rushing attack. They're, diversify, they're diversifying the, uh, the point of attack in the run game. And that's big. And they're also diversifying how they're attacking in the run game by using Taysom Hill, using Jamal Williams, using Alvin Kamara and rotating through that. When it comes to the passing game, you're seeing, you know, look, Rashid Shaheed take the top off of the defense, but also be a guy that can find soft spots in the zone. Those are two things that he does incredibly well. Chris Olave, go out there, find soft spots in the zone. Did that extremely well against Chicago. One in man a couple of times too, but when they had him in zone, quick, quick passes to him towards the left sideline, right sideline as he kind of finds those pockets in the seams. Um, you're seeing the tight ends utilize over the middle of the field. Foster Moreau, Juwan Johnson, both got a little bit more involved in the offense as pass catchers in this game. That's improved by the fact that the offensive line is able to hold up and keep, not necessarily keep pressure away, but has been able to buy enough time for Derek Carr to be able to get the ball out. And Derek Carr is getting the ball out quicker. Two and a half seconds over the course of the first five games was his average. 2.3 seconds is his average over the course of the last four games. That might not sound like a lot of a difference, but those couple of you know ticks on the clock there, those couple of tenths of a second make a big time difference. So that's what I'm looking at for this New Orleans Saints team. It's not that the motion is having you know a, a major impact because it's ticking up and all of a sudden they're in the 40, 50% or they're like the Miami Dolphins running like 60% motion and things like that. They're not that team. They're not going to become that team over the course of a season. They're not running play action like a, I don't know who runs a lot of play action, like a Philly or a, or, or a, a San Francisco. They're not running a ton of that instead, or a, 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 a Texans, Houston. Houston does a lot of it now, Bobby Slowick there. So you, you're not seeing a ton of that. You're seeing about 21 over the course of the past four games, about 23 times over the course of the past five games or the first five games when you rule out plays that had a penalty and all that. Um, it's not been those things. It's been that the Saints are putting their playmakers in position to make plays. And that's the other thing that we've been calling for for so long with this team. It's what we talked about all last year when we had you know, gotten into October, November, December, whenever it was. And Dennis Allen was talking about, we got to find more creative ways to use Alvin Kamara. It's like, yeah, you do. And so it's great to see that they're not having that type of conversation as we step into November here at this point in the season. And so I think that this is this is where it is. Now, the next thing is, can they keep themselves from doing what they did all last year, which is, you know, you find out, OK, this player does this thing really well. We can capitalize on this. Michael Thomas making tough catches over the middle of the field, taking up double teams, creating moments for other people. Now, uh, in the next game, you know, Taysom Hill is going to have, you know, seven carries for, you know, 50 something yards, get into the end zone, whatever, you know, be a key player in that game. But then the game after that, we're never going to see him again. Like you can't do that, can't do that again, can't go back into that rhythm. But these are the things that the Saints have improved as opposed to things like motion, play action, stuff like that. There are improvements in those areas, but it's not like it just kind of ticked up. The big thing that they've done is maximizing the potential and maximizing the, the, the usage of the players that can go out there and make a difference on the field. Derek Carr included, each of those wide receivers, the tight ends, Taysom Hill, each of those running backs, all of that. And as the offensive line continues to take its steps forward, it gets even easier and easier. Coming up next, um, what doesn't get easier is the New Orleans Saints schedule. Minnesota Vikings, a team that maybe a lot of people will tell you that you don't have to fear, but this is a team that's riding high right now after a big time moment. We're going to explain uh, what to expect from the Minnesota Vikings team, where they can come up short, and how the New Orleans Saints should try to take advantage of that area. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. I use DoorDash all the time. In fact, I used DoorDash just last night. Meals from the Heart Cafe was good. I had to, I had to get my vegan on yesterday, all right? I had to get my vegan on, get some clean eating going. Got a little bit of okra gumbo. Got a, a, a vegan hot sausage po' boy. It was fantastic. So got to love all that. Some Creole potatoes on the side and everything too. Meals from the Heart knows its way to my heart. And thankfully, they're all over DoorDash. So you got to love it. So if you're looking for some of those uh, maybe specifically like things that correlate with your diet. You're looking for um, some of those new restaurants that you maybe you wouldn't see otherwise. You're looking for some local spots, things like that. You're going to be able to find all that over at DoorDash. And I'm going to help you out today. Get 50% up to a $10 value uh, when you spend $15 or more on your first order by using the DoorDash app. So download the DoorDash app into the promo code LOCKED23. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-2-3. Use the digits. Subject to change, terms apply. That's 50% off. For up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order, download the DoorDash app, use the promo code LOCKED23, subject to change, terms apply. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrap it up today's episode with a quick look at the Minnesota Vikings. New Orleans H traveling to Minneapolis, home of Prince, uh, to take on the Minnesota Vikings. And um, uh, look, this is a game that is going to be a tough one for New Orleans. And, and I know I, I give uh, every team on the New Orleans Saints schedule a lot of credit. Minnesota Vikings right now deserve it because they are riding high after the one of the most improbable wins that we're going to see this season. Now, um, we saw something like this last year when Baker Mayfield showed up in Los Angeles on like a Tuesday and then went out there and started a Thursday night football game and like balled out for the Rams and everything like that. Um, Joshua Dobbs had a very similar situation. Joshua Dobbs, the quarterback formerly of the Cleveland Browns, traded to the Arizona Cardinals, did a great kind of like TikTok video series thing on like what that was like, moving from one place to the other, all that. Um, then gets traded at the trade deadline from uh, Arizona to the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings start uh, Jared Hall, Jaron Hall, the rookie quarterback out of BYU, somebody that we covered very closely here on Locked On, especially go Locked On Saints going into you know the Senior Bowl and all that stuff. Uh, Jaron Hall gets like 11 snaps in, faces a concussion, and then Joshua Dobbs has to go in. He's like shaking his hand, shaking hands, introducing himself to the players that he's throwing footballs to and all these other things. It starts off like a catastrophe, safeties, interceptions, fumbles, whatever, name it, it happened. And then all of a sudden, everything just kind of settles in and boom, he's dishing and diamond, you know, throwing dimes and all this other stuff. So look, now there's some tape, right, on Joshua Dobbs performing well in that Minnesota Vikings offensive system. But how much can you really, how much can you really lean in on it, right? This was a situation where, Kevin O'Connell, the Minnesota Vikings head coach, is like relaying in, hey, say these words. They'll know what they mean. Do it quick so that before the radio cuts off, I can tell you what to do, you know? And he's like, hey, well, here's your progression. You're going 4, 11, and, you know, your player numbers, all these other things. Um, and then they turn around and won that game. So it was an incredible coaching job, first of all, by Kevin O'Connell. I mean, outstanding coaching job there. And then just like a show of resilience by Josh Dobbs. And that Minnesota Vikings team very much believes right now in itself that they can go out and win. After a game like that, and and who could blame them? Who could blame them, right? Like you're of course going to be riding high after after a deal like that. But one of the things that's going to massively get in in Minnesota's way is their inability to run the football. They have had so much trouble running the football, and then they just lost Cam Akers, who basically was just another version of Alexander Madison. And so expect a lot of Alexander Madison in this game. And this could be a, a game where the New Orleans Saints rushing offense or rushing defense kind of builds a little bit of confidence here because Minnesota has struggled 
in that area. And it's not just that they've struggled. Like I'm not talking necessarily talking about like from a yards per game perspective or NFL ranking perspective and things like that. Like they have had some major issues with blocking assignments on that offensive line. And, and actually, you know, they're, they try to do these zone runs, but they're not moving into the right areas, all these other things, leaving some of these spots. That's a spot where these smart, intelligent players, experienced players like Cameron Jordan, like Colin Saunders, like Nathan Shepard, like those are the, 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 like Demario Davis filling those run gaps and things like that. Like those are going to be the moments where, you know, this run defense really has an opportunity to build a little bit of confidence. So something to take advantage of there. Not only will there be no Cam Akers, but the expectation is that there will also be no Justin Jefferson, former LSU wide receiver. Uh, probably the best wide receiver, if not it's certainly one of the best, if not the best wide receivers in the NFL right now, um, not expected to be back in time for this game. He had gone on injured reserve. This would technically be the first game that he would be able to come back for. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. So that works in the New Orleans Saints favor as well. The New Orleans Saints secondary has played outstanding football. And I'm not just talking about, you know, walking away with three interceptions this past game or, or, you know, Paulson Evo having three interceptions over the course of the past two games. I mean, they're taking away options. They're forcing quarterbacks to move on through their progressions and things like that. So if Josh Dobbs with one week of practice under his belt with the first team, which is the expectation here, because Jaron Hall's dealing with that concussion, they wouldn't put Jaron, doesn't seem likely they're going to put Jaron Hall back out there. It doesn't seem likely he's going to be able to clear in time. So you should expect to see Joshua Dobbs until we hear otherwise about Jaron Hall. But if Josh Dobbs comes in and gets one week of practice with this team, Forcing him to move on through his progressions might be the worst thing for Josh Dobbs because he's got to learn what those progressions are. He's got to learn what all these play calls are, what all the verbiage is and stuff like that. Now, he's an incredibly, incredibly intelligent player. He's a very talented player. He has been in quite a few offensive systems now. Uh, It's not like he's not going to be able to go out there and run the system. But if you want to get him to a point where he slips into a mistake or two, then you have to make him progress. You have to make him go through those progressions. You can't let him take first read, first read, first read, first read, because then you're behind. You're behind as a defense in that case, and he's being able to dole and dish and do all the things that he needs to be able to do to keep that offense moving. So if you want to increase the likelihood that he makes a mistake, increase the amount of time that he holds on to the ball and has to think about what to do next. And that's where the New Orleans Saints defense can really take advantage of what will inherently be a major flaw for this Minnesota Vikings team, especially if they continue to struggle in the run game, setting up protections, things like that. This is an opportunity for the New Orleans Saints defense to really start out strong. One of the things that Dennis Allen said in his locker room speech after the win against the Chicago Bears is next week, just borrowing his phrases, but paraphrasing here next week, let's treat the opening half like the second half, right? Let's treat the, the, the first quarter like we're going out there after halftime. And that's sort of what we've seen from the New Orleans Saints here as of late. They've been outstanding as a defense in the second half, but lately have struggled early. Expect a a really crisp plan in terms of what the first 15 scripted plays are going to be from Minnesota. That's going to be very valuable for a quarterback stepping into a system, uh, stepping into the first, I don't want to say his first exposure to the system because we watched the first exposure to the system happen live when he's on the sideline practicing like the, the, the team's five cadences and all these other things. Like some of those things are still going to be left those are still going to be gaps for Josh Dobbs in this Minnesota Vikings offense even going into this quote unquote second game uh with it so that's got to be the key for New Orleans like the de- this has to be a defensively led game the New Orleans Saints offense should be fine like they should be able to operate here the big thing is going to be how do they match up against that Minnesota Vikings defensive line and all that like how does the New Orleans Saints offensive line hold up those are going to be the big questions But if they're able to dominate over the defensive side and establish themselves early, it's going to open up a lot more opportunity for this offense to continue to do what it's been doing, which is enough, which is do enough to win games. They ain't got to score 30 points. 
they ain't got to score over 28 points if they don't want to, like, or if they can't, it doesn't matter. As long as they win this game, that becomes the biggest thing. And so forcing turnovers, forcing Josh Dobbs to make mistakes by making him hold on to the ball, making him make more decisions, choices, think all those other things and taking advantage of some of those fluky things that keep happening in the Minnesota Vikings run game. Those are going to be the things that are going to allow the New Orleans Saints defense to establish this game early and allow the offense to be able to come out and win. We'll break down in more detail how you can take advantage of all that schematically on Friday's episode, the game plan episode. We're going to talk more as well with uh, Luke Braun, host of Locked on Vikings on tomorrow morning's episode, our crossover Thursday to break that all down. And of course, we'll be live with you later on today to kind of give you the updates on how healthy this team is, all of that. We know Isaiah Foskey, you should expect to miss a couple of games. We know um, Kendra Miller is dealing with an ankle injury. We'll see the severity of that. But outside of that, let's see how healthy this New Orleans Saints team can be going into this game against the Minnesota Vikings. Appreciate all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. And a big thank you to everybody who takes the time because a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.